the program. It's Steinberg and Vickers from Daily Hive along with you on this Thursday edition of the program. We're coming at you from Cowboys. Look at that. You know, it's always been a dream of mine and over the last number of years I've been able to realize that dream. It's always been a dream of mine to be on stage at Cowboys. Ooh. And the last number of years I've, I've gotten that DJ opportunity. Right by, like there's the DJ booth right there. Do you know when I was 18 how big the DJ booth was for me at Cowboys? Um, okay, so we're here at Cowboys for the 5th Annual Cowboys Kids Sport Wing Off. I'll tell you more about that as this hour continues. But we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Vix, so many people, and for good reason, this is not a criticism, so many people seem checked out on Calgary's playoff chances at the beginning of the week. So Saturday, the loss to the uh, to the Minnesota Wild, 3-0 on home ice. It was dreadful. It was an awful game. And fast forward four days later, because doing the show on Monday, it seemed like a, a pretty checked out type situation for a lot of Flames fans. Fast forward to where we are on Thursday, March 9th, and it feels like maybe the tone's a little bit different. And the Jets are scuffling. The gap has been cut a little bit from where it was after Saturday to where we here where we are here on Thursday. Uh, a couple of wins, a couple of pretty dramatic wins have changed that. I'll I'll say this: I'm curious as to where you are. I'm curious as to where the text line is. But my tone really hasn't changed because at seven points back on Saturday night, I felt like they still had a chance but had an uphill climb. Okay. And now at four points back, I feel like they have a chance but have an uphill climb. Like I never thought they were out of it. I felt like, yep, crazier things have happened. It's not the most likely scenario, but it's not completely out of the question. And that remains where I am right now. It's not the most likely outcome, but it's still very much there for the taking. And they still have an uphill climb, and they still have uh, they they still need a lot of help from other teams. And specifically, one team needs to continue to uh, continue to st- scuffle. So that's that's where I am. My tone really hasn't changed, and I still think much like. After after Saturday's loss, everything is on the table for him. And here we are on Thursday going into a game Friday night against the Anaheim Ducks, the very beautiful, beatable, dreadful Anaheim Ducks, uh, that everything remains still on the table for him. But what about you? Has your tone changed at all? And, and where are you on the belief side of things? I mean, would it be wrong to suggest that I spent more than enough time today looking at flights to Finland for the World Championship? Does that does that speak enough volumes? That, that now, now, granted, volumes. that could still be a first-round exit. And... Four points with equal games played between the Jets and the Flames. That doesn't seem insurmountable. Four points you need to make up. Technically five if you want the tiebreaker, which they're going to need in most case scenario. But four over 17, five over 17 isn't the end of the world for this team. But I'm going to defer to your thought, your opinion, your feeling that, yeah, it's still very much an uphill climb. And, yes, they definitely have the cards stacked against them a little bit but they do have a glimmer of hope had they lost one of those two and maybe the winnipeg jets find a way to pad that lead a little bit instead of having it drop a little bit they did lose their last game and calgary has won two in a row 
It is amazing what 48 hours difference looks like for you if you're the Calgary Flames with back-to-back wins on Tuesday and Wednesday. And, and I think the way that the Flames won those games um, is is part of why I think maybe the tone has changed a little bit because they won those games in a fashion that they haven't necessarily won a lot of games this year. You know, most of these most of these games or, or the the last two games anyway, the way they've gone. For the most part this year, they've lost those games, yes. and those are those are nights that have gone against the Flames. Whereas this time around, they were able to score that goal and kill off the last penalty on Monday, and didn't have that go against them. And they didn't have the overtime goal scored on them, despite the fact we thought it was. And and they found a way to win in a shootout. Like to me, those are those are things that absolutely would give you a little bit more optimism about where this team may or may not be going. So I think that's part of why at this point things are a little bit. Or maybe the tone is a little less pessimistic than it was a couple of days ago. And I don't think that's universal because I think there are still people who are, are plenty pessimistic and I understand it. I don't think it's a I don't I don't think you're being naive if you have more hope. I don't think you're being pessimistic if you have less or the same amount of hope. I just think it it all goes along with the territory in a year that has gone the way that it has for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and the most important thing for me is we spent 64 games talking about how a goalie hadn't stolen them a game. Well, game 65, Jacob Markstrom has, and his play over the course of the last four games, particularly after Daryl Sutter basically said, we need this guy to get hot, we're going to ride him. And for lack of a better phrase, the season's on Jacob Markstrom. They put that on his shoulders because he's going to carry the bulk of the work along the way, and I know we'll probably get into a lot of Jacob Markstrom talk, but for me... He's the guy that is going to orchestrate whatever wild remaining 17 games happen for the Calgary Flames. It's on his shoulders, as the coach says. Well, and on Wednesday's roundtable, it was uh, Derek West and I on Wednesday, and and the the main thing that that I see as a positive the main thing that that gives me more belief now and it's not just because of the last two games it's more because of the last week and a bit uh the thing that mainly gives me a little bit more hope or a little bit more belief in the way this thing is going is the fact that jacob markstrom is playing his best hockey of the season and is the fact that jacob markstrom looks far more like the guy that they need him to be and far more like the as the trophy candidate, number one goaltender, what, however you want to phrase it, he looks more like that guy uh, over the last week, pretty much ever since he came in last Tuesday against the Boston Bruins. Since that time, he's looked significantly better and far more like the guy the Flames need him to be. And if he can be that guy for the rest of the 17 games or however many games he gets, if he can be that guy from here until the end of the season, then they've got a chance to keep this thing interesting. I don't know if they're going to be able to close the gap fully, but at the very least they'll be able to keep this thing interesting. Well, it's funny. Since since that, he's 2-2, two and two, so he's 500 in look, results. Look at the save percentage. Well, I've got it right here, Patrick. 2.21 goals against average and 936 save percentage. That bumps his totals on the year down, I guess, in the goals against the 289 up in save percentage to 893 if you can get even somewhere close to 915 out of jacob markstrom the calgary flames are going to put themselves in a position to go down to the wire and this isn't going to be a comment specifically about jacob markstrom i want to keep that i want to make that clear but it's funny how confidence works when you don't have it you're in a world of trouble when you do have it which i think the calgary flames are starting to do it now after back-to-back wins 
it can really turn the tides for you. So it'll be very curious what the next outcome looks like for the Calgary Flames and how they go about their business and what they're able to accomplish, whether it's a strong showing and another win to run it to three straight for the first time this calendar year or whether or not they stumble and, and all that doubt starts to creep back in. Uh, I, I spoke a little bit about this, and I, I'm curious your text at 960-960. Get those in and give us your thoughts on, on where your belief is now compared to where it was, so on and so forth. But I, I uh, sat down with Andrew Mangiapane at practice on Thursday and uh, kind of got into it a little bit with him about what's been different the last two games. Because even and, and maybe it's confirmation bias on my front, I don't know, but it felt like things were so negative and heavy and it felt like they were they had the weight of the world on them in Saturday's game and after Saturday's game and since then in the Dallas game and the Minnesota game they've played looser they've played just a little bit more like it's at lack of a better term like they're enjoying playing it again and I just wondered if there's anything that changed and if that Minnesota game was kind of the the last wake-up call they needed I spoke to uh, Andrew Mangiapane about that after practice I just wanted to ask you about after the the Minnesota loss here, and then you go into Dallas on Monday. It just it seemed like from afar, maybe the there was a little bit of a weight lifted off the shoulders. Did, did anything change after? The, I know there was a really ugly loss at home. Anything change after that game? Did, did maybe as a group it it, it kind of mindset switch or anything like that? Um, I don't know. Hard to say. I think um, yeah, like you said, I don't think anybody was really too happy about the you know at home game against uh, Mini and. Um, you know, we're in a tough spot here. Obviously, we need to climb out of a hole and everything. So I think all the guys knew that. And, and you know, there's no point in feeling kind of sorry for ourselves. We kind of did this to ourselves and everything like that. So I think in Dallas, we just wanted to go out there and, you know, you knew it was going to be a close, hard-fought game and um, lots of energy in that in that arena and everything. So we wanted to feed off that and just go out there and, you know, play our best and, and, and come away and, and win, right? Uh, we've been kind of slipping here before, kind of as of late, and we just wanted to, you know, focus on one game and come away with a win. And um, you know, I think that helped us a lot. What uh, What did it feel like when you saw that Toffoli goal go in and and know that you were going to win that one and and win it in regulation? Yeah, it was great. Um, I think we deserved to kind of win that game, and um, um, you know, I think we deserve to win. You know, a lot of games during the season, and some way, somehow, we just kind of always find a way to kind of lose. So I think uh, that was a huge goal by by Toff to, you know, give us confidence and um, say kind of almost uh, not this time we're not losing uh, in regulation or, or we're not losing in overtime again or anything like that, right? So it was a big goal. It was a great play by him. It's 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 funny because so the Dallas game they they erase the two two goal leads and then they get the late power play and you still win and then the next night it's a zero zero game and looks like no offense and they score in overtime and looks like they'd won again and then it comes back and you find a way like that's two games in a row that you won that seemed like everything went against you earlier in the year is it does that add to belief or does that kind of feel like finally things are, are starting to bounce your way yeah i'd say so i think uh you could look at it like that uh finally things are starting to kind of bounce our way right i feel like we've been in a lot of uh these close games and um you know it's a tough tough league to win and um you know one bounce goes in the back of your net and all of a sudden you're trailing or something like that right so i feel like we're in a lot of those close battles and um it was just nice to i think just to come away with a couple close wins there did uh, did you think the overtime goal was getting called back, or what was your feeling like as as that was all playing out? Yeah, I, I didn't really know um, 
what was going on. I, I knew that they were, they were looking at it and everything like that. So I saw a few guys leave. So then I was like, okay, I guess we're leaving. And then, everything, then we all came back and, you know, they were setting an all goal. And we're like, all right, perfect. Let's keep playing, right? But, um, yeah, it was just kind of a, a mess, right? Uh, yeah. Up and down uh, swing of emotions. and uh, But it was a great, and, you know, Mark, you played a hell of a game that game. Were you uh, were you geared down or were you ready to just rock back out on the ice? No, I was ready to rock back on the ice there. Yeah, I I tucked my helmet off, but other than that, I was still still uh, waiting and seeing just because I, I saw that they were checking. But yeah, I didn't know. I didn't really. See, I saw them whatever the play and all that. But yeah, I was sure a close call and everything, right? That is Andrew Mangiapane. I chatted with him after practice on Thursday just about where the belief level is. It just feels like everything is a little bit lighter around the group and a little less. there's a little bit less of a dark cloud. Now, again, I could absolutely be guilty of confirmation bias because I wondered about it. I wondered after that game on Saturday if, okay, now you're seven out and you've lost five in a row and you're going on the road, if going on the road might just be something where they can – Stop worrying so much about the big picture. Stop worrying so much about the implications. Stop worrying so much about the the walls caving in on it and everything that the expectations, all of it. You've got at that point 18 games remaining in the season, or 19, I think it was then. You got 19 games to go, and just go out there and try to play your best game against Dallas. And then you've got a tough back to back, so just go out there and lay it all on the ice Tuesday against Minnesota, and stop worrying about the implications and you know what happened happens if a goal goes in early or what happens if you don't get two points or what happens if you don't get exactly the result you're looking for and instead just go out there and play and be happy with the effort that you put out there and and it feels it feels like they're playing a little bit looser i don't know if that's 100 percent accurate you know andrew kind of said yeah maybe yeah there might a little bit have been a little bit to that so i don't know i just i've noticed the difference well let me ask you this and in full disclosure i wasn't at practice today wasn't in the room so i have a question for you were they blasting Journey in the room when you entered after the after the? They practice? were not. Hmm. Because I would have thought, you know, don't stop believing, Pat. Keep it going. Keep it rolling. Now they, there was no music on at all That's by fair. the time we got in, so I don't know exactly what they were blasting. They, they do have reason to believe right now, though, and they found a way to win. Was that, was that like? Did you plan that dad joke? I actually wrote it down on this fancy little sheet here. I'm not gonna lie. Full disclosure. Uh, okay. Cam, we need that. Uh, oof, we need that oof meter meme that you use. Uh, oof meter to twelve I'll on that one. See myself. Out. <laughs> well, that's two very different ways they won each of those back-to-back games. Fact remains, though, Pat, they haven't won more than three in a row this season. Last time they did it was December third and seventh. So we're talking about what three full months? Yep. It's going to be a climb. It's going to be a slog. And yes, the Winnipeg Jets are struggling, but the Calgary Flames haven't made up that much ground on the Winnipeg Jets. If you look over the past 10 or if you even look to mile markers like the 1st of February, there just hasn't necessarily been that massive jump. And they're run, it's almost a race against the clock as much as it is a race against the Winnipeg Jets. If they're, oh, there it is. Oof. Patrick, Patrick's giving me a visual right now. I think I get that one once a broadcast, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. The oof size is large on uh, on the don't stop believing joke. I give you Come on, everybody words. loves Journey. Uh, let me read you a few texts at 969. Except 60. for the text line, apparently. Watch out. Speaking of, uh, speaking of music, uh, our boy Wedley, uh, he told us on, I think, Tuesday's uh, Flames Talk post game that he's uh, now busting out a 90s song as good luck. 
and they're two and zero, and he's using the uh, sixpence, none the richer cover of crowded houses. Don't dream it's over. So two and zero with that specific sixpence, none the richer cover. So we'll see if uh, if that continues or not. Um, good on you, Wedley. This reads, I broke up with the Flames after the first Minnesota game. It's now 1 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm feeling a little lonely and six beers in. Screw it. I'm seeing the Flames tonight. Uh, okay, I like that. You know what? You're the, up and down. I get it. I fully get it. The nice thing is that came in on the text line, so it's almost like he's texting his ex-lover. I know. Being like, I'm back in. Exactly. Count me in. Uh, Andrew says, I never lose belief until they're out officially. Um on the Markstrom front, do you think Markstrom's play coincides with the birth of his child, added joy slash loss of stress? And I don't think, look, and, and he was asked about that after practice today, and he said, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't he didn't say yes, didn't say no, but I, I can't imagine that that is just a, um, you know, I can't imagine that that's just a coincidence. coincidence. I don't know if it's the only reason. But I don't know if it's a coincidence either. Uh, this from Mike in Vancouver. Pat, I'm a believer the Flames will make the playoffs. Remember, they have to play the Jets, and if they win that, then the Jets need to only drop two points more than the Flames between now and then for them to be equal. Uh, this reads, I'm way more positive now than I was a few days ago, but I'm tired of the narrative that Sutter doesn't allow fun to happen. It's not up to him to provide fun that's on the players. Daryl's there to coach and prepare the team to win. Maybe a captain of the leadership group could provide the fun. Uh, this reads, even if they catch Winnipeg, shouldn't we be more worried about Nashville? Yes, the Preds are this stocking horse that needs to be taken into consideration because, what, they're a point back with four in hand? They are not out of this thing. Uh, two back with four in hand. They are not out of this thing either. And finally... The glimmer of hope stems from Markstrom returning to form over three games. But let's not forget, this team hasn't given its goalies much run support all season. And in Markstrom's best game in a long time, the team scored exactly zero goals. Optimism's fine, but there's still a long way to go. No doubt about that. Good stuff on the text line at 960-960. More uh, a little bit later on this hour because we're going to kind of pivot the topic. So Mike in Vancouver talked about the Jets. They've got the one head-to-head game. Maybe it means something. It's April 5th, the fourth-last game of the season, and I believe Calgary second last road game of the year is in Winnipeg on April 5th and and maybe that game means something maybe that game doesn't mean anything we'll find out but right now the Jets are the team that they got to track down right now it's Winnipeg that's who they're chasing and really that's as much as Edmonton, Los Angeles, Seattle, could, could they? I guess. But realistically, the team that they're going to have to chase down is Winnipeg. That's the team they've got the best and, and I think, legit, most legitimate or only legitimate chance short of a miracle to track down. So the Jets are scuffling. They are 2-6-3 and three in their last 11 games. And as a result, they've become vulnerable in the eighth spot to both the Flames and the Preds. That's a group that seems frustrated all of a sudden because you look at their game on Wednesday night against Minnesota. They controlled that game from start to finish, wild on the second half of a back-to-back, and they got great goaltending again, this time from Marc-Andre Fleury, and the Jets could only score a couple of times in a 4-2 loss. Now they head out on the road through Tampa, Florida, and Carolina. I want to play a Rick bonus. This was the head coach of the Jets after Wednesday's loss to Minnesota to drop them to 2-6-3 and in their last 11. Just tell me on the text line, Mr. Vickers, you tell me as well, how you interpret what you heard from Rick Bonus, the head coach of the Jets here. What's the overall assessment of a game where you outshoot the team? One of the best games we've played all year. Dominated the game. 82 shot attempts. I don't know if we've done that this year. Um, lots of scoring chances. Flurry was outstanding. A lot of loose pucks we couldn't get our stick to. But 
That's one of the best games we've played all year. So we play like that. We'll, we'll take it. Some nights, they, you know, you just don't get any puck luck. And right now, we're not getting any puck luck. But I'll take that effort the way we played tonight against anybody all year. You usually tell us, you tell us what you tell them. So have you just come? I just maybe? told them same thing. Play like that. We'll find. We'll, we'll work. Are we? We got to do it the hard way. We're going to have to do it the hard way. We got to win some games on the road. But the most important thing is to keep the effort and play like we did tonight. That's the most important thing. Eventually, that that puck's going to go in. We've seen uh, that's two games in a row that we dominated the game and lost by a goal. Um, that's hockey. Rick, you're speaking very confidently about the team being able to get itself on track offensively, defensively, but the number of games left, at what point does that become an uh, overarching concern? Well, right now, I mean, we know what we're, we know we're up against. We're still sitting in a playoff spot. Those other teams still have to win games to catch us, but we have to play like that, and we have to play like that every night. And if you play like that every night, there's no way there's, the puck's not going to go in, uh, not with 82 shot attempts and 20-something scoring chances. Um, we, the, 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 yeah, so we, we just have to play like that. We know what we're up against. We haven't lost that eighth spot right now, so we have to fight to keep it. That was Rick Bonus, head coach of the Jets, after their 4-2 loss to Minnesota on Wednesday. How did you interpret that? Like, it, it sure did sound like a lot of the stuff that we'd heard earlier in the year from the Flames about how well they played, didn't get the results. Now, it's only been a couple of games. Some of these 11, they've been really bad and deserve to lose. But they've got a tough schedule coming up, which I know a lot of people are pointing to as another reason why the Jets might be vulnerable to either Nashville or Winnipeg. Now, it gets easier after this three-game trip through the Southeast. But you know, it's, uh, it was just interesting hearing Bonus speak after that loss because they did play well. They didn't get anything from it. And all of a sudden, they're teetering and in a precarious, tenuous playoff spot with Nashville and Calgary eyeing them down. First and foremost, I have all the time in the world for that head coach. Chris I do Bonus too. I is awesome. an amazing man to talk to. You have an availability with him. It, he, I almost liken him to John Cooper. I love listening to John Cooper. Rick Bonus, John Cooper, you can listen to them talk for 10 minutes and you're going to learn two or three new things about the game. Listening to him there... He's preaching urgency without trying to panic his group, is what I interpreted there. He's trying to prop up his team a bit. They had a strong showing, didn't get the result. We've heard that in Calgary over and over and over and over again. But to me, he's trying to be the rudder steering the ship. He's trying to be calm. He's trying to navigate his crew through choppy waters. I don't know any more boat analogies. We can be done with that. But to me, he's trying to preach urgency and calm at the same time and the way he projects his voice and his his demeanor and his mannerisms to me that's a guy that is going to do just that the winnipeg jets can be frustrated all they want about how things have gone of late since february 1st they're in the bottom third of the league in almost every category if not the bottom five in every category but he's a guy that's, we'll see what the results are, but he's trying to preach urgency while walking that line of being calm. Yeah, and I just, I thought it was interesting listening to him. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a good way of putting it. Like, he's trying to put out the, we're not worried, we're not worried, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine, which I think is exactly what you want to hear if you're a player. I think it's exactly the, the right tone to take if you're the Jets because they have been struggling. I just wanted to bounce this off to you because 
I've heard, uh, I, or, or I went on Twitter, a couple of uh, Winnipeg media guys that I follow um, just kind of put out tweets last night, and um, one of them, I think it was uh, Mike McIntyre at the Free Press, basically said, will they be in a playoff spot when they come back from this three-game road trip? And there was about 100 replies, and I want to say like 97% of it was no. Jets fans are done with this group, at least the Jets fans that I saw on Twitter, and that's only a cross-section. It's only uh, a certain section of fans, but... That group was like, nope, this team is done. It was either Bonus's fault or this Coors group uh, fault, or or there a lot of Shifley dislike. Um, so I, I just I'm. It was interesting reading that because a lot of what I read about it's time to tank for Bedard and it's time to play young players and it's time to give up on this group and it's not going to happen. It's the same damn stuff that I see on our text <laughs> line, and they're the team in the playoff spot. I just thought it was really interesting. So. I can't imagine the Jets are going to scuffle this bad in their final 17. So their last 11, they're a 318 points percentage. I don't think they're playing at around 30% of the possible points the rest of the way. So let's say Winnipeg goes like 550 down the stretch. Ooh. And th- I, th- I think that that's probably I, I mean, I don't there. think that's unrealistic. And I don't either. And so I, I threw out a realistic number. So 550 in their final 17. That's around 19 points, which would get them to 94 which would mean the Flames would need 24 to pass him outright or 23 to be in a tie-break situation. So they'd need to go about 700 to 705 in their final 17 in their points percentage. That's just one example. I don't know what the Jets are going to do. I'm only saying just for, for sake of a realistic projection or a realistic example, if the Jets go 550, the Flames would have to go 705 on their points percentage to track them down and make sure they're past them uh i just think that that was that was interesting it's not even perspective for me it just it it outlines the uphill nature of the climb for the flames now had i done that same thing well i'll tell you a few days ago it would have been an even more daunting task for the flames before their first win it was 775 to get to one point above what the jets were projected to across the uh, regular season as a whole not just the last snapshot or not just 550 then it dropped to 750. Now it's dropping to 705 to the 710 range. Since February 1st, the Jets are 28th in the NHL with 10 points, 29th in points percentage at 385, 28th in goals four per game at 262, 20th in goals against at 346. Now, granted, the penalty kill's actually been good. It's 10. 23rd on the power play with that kind of personnel, not good enough. Now, here's the thing. Flames were 24th in points. Flames were 26th in points percentage. Flames are 25th in goals for. Flames are 17th in goals against since February 1. So if you take that snapshot, that post-All-Star game slash bye week break and extrapolate it out, Flames haven't closed the gap all that much, so there's concern there. Now, granted, if you look over the course of the last couple of games, last 48 hours, last 72 hours across the league, Flames have got to be feeling a lot better about themselves than the Winnipeg Jets right now. It's really interesting to see how this is going to play out. My tone hasn't really changed that much at all. Starting on Monday, uh, our first show of the week after Saturday's loss to Minnesota, I thought it was. I, I thought they still had everything on the table with an uphill climb. Two wins later, and Winnipeg's couple of losses later, I still think they have everything to play for and an uphill climb in front of them. We'll see how they do it. They've got a game against Anaheim on Friday. That's next up for the Flames. He's Aaron Vickers of Daily Hive. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're coming at you from Cowboys, and uh, you can get Flamestock on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Go hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Thursday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive along with you on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk and soon to be joined by the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills, to complete our roundtable. Uh, Thursday at practice, first uh, full practice the flames have had since their two-game road trip where they took four of a possible four in dallas and minnesota uh no changes defense paris the exact same which means dennis gilbert remained the number seven forward lines the exact same which means that uh walker dewar and adam ruzicka remained the odd man out nick ritchie remained on that line with nazim kadri and jonathan huberto vix is are, are these the best lines for the team are these the the ideal lines for the group right now i'm just curious as to how we look Look at the forward lines, which got juggled up going into Monday's game in Dallas. Well, I mean, you can't argue with the results. And if at the end of the day, the only thing the Calgary Flames need are points, and they got four of a possible four using those. Having said that, I wonder if there wouldn't be some tinkering. Like, I'd be very curious to see Walker Dewar on the wing with Dylan Dubé, just because I think of how fast each of those individuals are. I think of how tenacious both of those individuals can be. Right. And I wonder if you put them together, you might unlock another level in each of them in terms of their ability to forecheck, their ability to get pucks in deep and get them behind defensemen and get defensemen reeling and looking up and over their shoulder. There's just something about that duo that I'd be very curious to see. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that that's something that's going to come to fruition, but just when I look at their games, strip them down individually, and then look at what attributes make them successful when they're on the ice and when they're at their best, what are they doing? I think they share a lot of similar characteristics, which is why I'd be curious to see that pair together. Uh, Willsie's with us now as well. Derek, what about you? Are the lines that they've got together right now that weren't changed Thursday at practice, are, are these the ideal lines? Do we like the way that they're constructed right now? I don't know yet because we have such a small sample size to work with with Nick Ritchie, who I thought had two really good periods in his first game and three so-so periods in his second game and uh, took three bad penalties in those first two games as a member of the Flames, so he's going to have to knock that off. But he does bring something to this team that they don't have enough of, in my opinion, and that's a unique combination of size and skill. And I really liked him in game one, especially in the first half of game one against the Stars on Monday because he used that size to get to the middle uh, primarily to the front of his opponent's net, and he used the skill to uh, create some chances for himself and for his line mates. So uh, I do think that he brings something unique to the team that they 
don't have enough of. So I'd like to give him uh, another game on that uh, line with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto to see what they can do. But uh, probably a pretty short leash if he keeps taking bad penalties. And then the other line that I would look at, and Aaron just talked about it, is the fourth line. So you know, Trevor Lewis is a guy who, uh, if he's healthy, probably isn't coming out. Uh, he's won a couple of the Stanley Cups with Daryl Sutter and can play all three forward positions and can play up and down the lineup and can help the team in the penalty kill. So forget about him for a second. Dylan Dubé is going to be in. It's just a question of where he's going to be in and who he's going to be playing with. I guess the other question is, Milan Lucic or Walker Dewar? And yeah, I'd like to see Dewar and Dubé on the line together because both guys can fly and get in there on the forward check and create some havoc doing that. Obviously, Lucic isn't a burner, but here's the thing. As a head coach, you have to manage your players, but you also have to manage your people. And I'm not sure that there's a player in that dressing room that has a bigger presence than Milan Lucic. So I think you have to be careful with that one. I'm not saying that I wouldn't take him out at some point, but it might be something that you have to tiptoe around. Uh, and Daryl Sutter would know that as well as any of us. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Hey, they won two games in a row. I'd stick with the same lines and pairings and goaltender for tomorrow's game against the Ducks, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what they do. It, it looked like that was the direction they were going to go into practice today. For sure it did. And, and you know, I would... If, if it's me, I would go out of my way to try to get Dylan back into the top nine. I just, I, I don't think all of a sudden he's off one of the power play units and all of a sudden he's not killing penalties a lot and now he's playing on your fourth forward line. I just, that to me is the one thing that I think you need to, to figure out because I think he's underutilized playing the minutes that he's played of late. He's He's been a really important player for them and when I think about the speed that he brings, when I think about the offense, the secondary scoring that he's that he brings and has brought all season long. I just feel like him playing the minutes that he's played. He played 12 minutes, uh, 12:02 against Minnesota and 12:15 against Dallas. That's down about two, two and a half from what he was playing before. I just, I think you're underutilizing the guy. So. I think getting Dylan back into the top nine and maybe back into a spot on one of the power play units is the way to go. Uh, I get it that, you know, Nick Ritchie's a guy that they like the size on. I just, to this point, I haven't seen, and I'm, I'm, I think they're going to stick with the same lines. I'm with you, Wilsey, on Friday. So I'm not anticipating it. I just think a, a long-term plan would be getting Dylan back into the top. Yeah. Nine. I think he deserves it. I think he's he earned has earned it. And I think you're better with him in your top nine as opposed to your bottom three. Yeah. The one thing is you can play him on your fourth line. And I'm not saying that I would. Certainly I wouldn't long term. But you can play him on your fourth line short term and still give him power play time. That would be one way to For get sure. his ice time up. Now, you don't know how much special teams time there's going to be in a game. So uh, you could play... 12 minutes one night and 15 minutes the next night, depending on how many power plays there are. So, yeah, I'd like to see him in the top nine, but obviously they're going to give Nick Ritchie a look here. And if you don't take him out of the top nine, who do you take out of the top nine? Uh, nobody. I mean, yeah. And I just think he's the guy, right? Yeah. I think in the long, in the long run, Dylan is, I believe a better fit there than, than Ritchie is. Cause I think, Richie translates, especially the way that Daryl wants his fourth line to be. I think he translates a little bit better on this team's fourth line as opposed to Dylan. I just and for the me, thing Dylan they've Dubin, struggled with the ahead, most. Rosie? Sorry, Aaron. The thing they've struggled with the most this season 
It certainly isn't shot volume, right? The attempts and the shots have been there. They're second in the NHL in both shots for and shots against per game. What they've struggled with is getting to the middle of the ice and getting to the front of their opponent's net to create second and third chances from those attempts and shots. Nick Ritchie can do that, and he did do that in his first game. Didn't do as much of it in his second game. Also had three hits in his first game. Didn't have any in his second game. Again, I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. He just joined the team. Uh, there was some extra travel involved for him getting to Calgary and then going on the road to Dallas and then about a 1,400-kilometer trip to St. Paul. It was a tough turnaround, a really tough back-to-back. So maybe fatigue was a bit more of a factor for him. And I'm not sure he's in Daryl Sutter shape yet, if you know what I mean. So I'll cut him a little bit of slack. But if he keeps taking those penalties, guys, uh, not only will he be off that yeah. line with Kadri and Huberto, he might be right out of the lineup. Well, and to spin a little bit off of your uh, comment there, Wilsey, and you beat me to to much of what I was going to say, but as it stands right now, this Calgary Flames team has struggled all season scoring goals. Last year they had three 40-goal scorers. Right now they've got one guy that's going to trend over 30. Dylan Dubé's fourth on your team in goals with 17 and 65. He's sixth among forwards in points with 38 and 65. You need to find a way to spark him and get him back into playing more ice time because, quite frankly, you need his depth scoring right now. Mm-hmm. That's where I am, and we'll see. Um, and I do. The good news is, at least having him center the fourth line to get some more reps down the middle, which I think mm-hmm. is important. But I just think ultimately for the the best look of this team, I think having him in the top nine is the way to go. It's Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames Roundtable on this Thursday. So it's uh, the Flames, and uh, I like calling them the Dreadful Ducks. Uh, it's just been an absolute nightmare year in Anaheim this year. Um, the, like, what hasn't gone wrong? Uh, do we uh, do we consider Friday's game against Anaheim one of the worst teams in the NHL? Like, this has to be in the absolutely no-doubt-can't-lose category, right? Well, realistically, probably yes. Mathematically, definitely no. But one of the Flames' Achilles heels this season, guys, even though I've tried to get coaches and players to say it and they really haven't bit, they've played down to their competition. All season long, they've played down to their competition. And I've got a stat to back it up. Mm -hmm. So the Flames are now 16-12-8. That is a 556 point percentage versus teams currently in a Stanley Cup playoff spot. They are 13, 11, and 5. That's a 535 point percentage versus teams currently out of a playoff spot. So they've been better against good teams than they have been against bad teams. So they've got to knock that off in their final 17 games of the season if they're going to get into the playoffs. They're not likely to win all of their game games against teams below them in the standings from here to the end of the regular season but they're certainly going to have to win the vast majority of them and that starts with a game against the ducks on friday you get them at the end of a road trip and uh, maybe thinking about heading home to the warm weather in southern california so yeah would i call it must win no because if the flames lose depending on what happens elsewhere around the nhl the next couple of nights they might not be any further out of a playoff spot than they currently are so i hate to say it's must win until it's actually mathematically must win but you know realistically Mm -hmm. they're gonna have to to beat these teams that are below them in the standings again they're not gonna have to win all of those games but they're gonna have to win the vast majority of them between now and the end of the regular season yeah, figuratively no, 
Or figuratively, yes, pardon me, literally no. And, Pat, we talked a lot about the way the Winnipeg Jets have been trending of late, the Calgary Flames have been trending of late. Anaheim's actually gobbled up more points over the last 10 than the Calgary Flames. Now, having said that, they are an NHL worst minus 100 for their goals for against differential. They're 29th out of 32 teams. You have to get two points. I don't care if it's overtime. I don't care if it's shootout. I don't care if it's regulation. But if you're the Calgary Flames and you're trying to track down the Winnipeg Jets, who we both agree are kind of vulnerable at this moment, there's no way you can't come out of a game with the 29th place team with a minus 100 differential with anything but two points. For, For me... I think it's it's time like it's time to stop this trend now. And the reason why I say it's can't lose because all of a sudden you lose to Anaheim and then we're having the conversation about it again. I think nip that in the bud. Go out there and pound him on Friday. You're a better team. You've you've played really well in your last two. Here's an opportunity on home ice to just crush a team that you're better than. And 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 I think that's really important because they haven't done that enough. They have not gone out there and and truly imposed on enough opposition this year. And that's a real or this is a real opportunity to do that and kind of just for, even if temporarily shut a story down for a little bit so i'm curious if they can do it but i think it's important that they do do it yeah and uh, the flames will play the ducks more than any other team the rest of the way they've got three games left against the ducks and you've got to win probably at least two of those but you look at their schedule very favorable guys they've got the easiest strength of schedule left in the nhl which to this point in the season really hasn't helped their cause because they haven't been good enough against teams in the bottom half of the standings, teams out of a playoff spot. But you've got three games against the Ducks, two against the Sharks, two against the Canucks, and then one against the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, and, well, the Senators are a step above the other teams that I just talked about, but still a team on the outside looking in. And, you know, you look at tough games, and your toughest games, I would say, you've got one against the Stars. Uh, They're always tough. you got two against the Golden Knights and two against the Kings big divisional games, and then maybe the biggest game of the season. It looks like it will be at this point, one against the Jets. So, yeah, the Flames, uh, they've got that strength of schedule advantage, and they're going to have to take advantage of it, uh, hopefully starting tomorrow night against the Ducks. Now, the one thing I will caveat here is, do you worry about getting goalied at all by John Gibson? He's got a 923 save percentage in four of his last five games, including outings with 36 saves, 51 saves, and 41 saves. Two of those are against the Washington Capitals, third against the Carolina Hurricanes. We've seen the Calgary Flames get goalied before. This could be one of those situations where a hot goalie comes in on a struggling team and turns aside 35 or 40. Just don't let it. That's, uh... I mean, it's, if it was as simple as that... That's well, if you pepper, just don't let it. Don't don't let it. I'm a if you pepper him with forty or fifty shots, which the Flames have the ability to do, he could still have a nine twenty save percentage in the game. You could still beat him. So see, true. Just, but the last he, time he faced fifty three at a nine sixty two save percentage. So maybe just pile really seventy good. and see what happens. Yeah. Well, whatever you <laughs> have to do to win, do it. Okay. Have a good night, guys. Uh, agreed. See you, pal. Uh, Derek Wills, Voice of the Flames, Aaron Vickers, Daily Hive. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport. Uh, That was a a busy first hour. We heard from Andrew Mangiapane. We heard a little bit from Rick Bonus. your Daily Flames Roundtable. Talked a lot about the, the belief level. Is it higher now than it was before if you're a flames fan it's uh it's been interesting a couple of texts at 960 960 says uh, the flames motto 
is just good enough to break your hearts year after year. They won't make it. That comes from Kevin. This says, guys, does this not remind you of the bubble season where the Flames got hot down the stretch and started catching up to a falling Habs team who ended up winning the last few games of the year to clinch the last spot a little bit? This whole year has been like um, – a larger 56 game season like it's just felt like with, that with, with fans yeah just without that like well i guess that 50 game season last season a little bit to the degree except for the fact that we missed a whole month of action on pause of course last season had a much better result but if the flames get on a roll they're going to be feeling that way heading into the playoffs because i mean if you're going to play 750 hockey to get in you're going to be feeling it heading into the playoffs. Uh, if you remember, the, the Habs, I think, clinched on an overtime loss. Uh, they, they got it to extra time against the Oilers, and that's how they ended up clinching the playoff spot that year and eliminating the Flames, who were on that week break waiting to play the four games against Sank. Yeah, what a <laughs> weird scenario where the playoffs start and the Flames and Canucks are finishing the regular season. Stop it. I don't need you to relive it. It was just the worst. Um, this says... Uh, from Matt and Cochran. Pat, this team's like Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it works every time. Well done. And this says, no bleeping way, Dubé shouldn't be on the fourth line. Um, this says, they got it. It's been a rough season, but there's no reason this team can't do it. The Flames play better when they are the underdog. The only worry I have is that I've seen this movie so many times. Not with this particular group, because it's a brand new group, but I've been full-time covering this team since 09-10. And in 10-11 and 11-12 and I want to say 15-16 and uh, 17-18, um, there were these stretches right around this time a little earlier where they were out of it. They got themselves back into it. They got close. They got close. And as soon as they're close, pressure's back on. They fall back. And that's that's what... I'm worried about because I've seen this movie with this team so many times, but doesn't mean that it's going to play out again. Just because sequel does not always have to be the same as the one that preceded it. So change that script, flip that script. That's what I want to see him do is yeah. Okay. They're playing really well right now with the pressures off and they're, they're still multiple games back of the team they're chasing. What happens if they move back into eighth? Then what happens? How do they play then? That's going to be really interesting to me uh, because then all of a sudden the pressure is back on. Now you're the hunted and not the hunter once again. You should really let the Fast and the Furious franchise know that not every sequel needs to end exactly the same as the one before it. I couldn't tell you. I've literally seen zero. I think I saw the first one because I will always quote, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Otherwise, I have not seen another one. Have you uh, watched Gone in 60 Seconds yet? No. You've got homework, bud. Yeah, you're going to be waiting on that for a little bit. Let's wrap up this hour with our Flames Talk Best Bets. We went 1-1 one and one on Wednesday night, and the best bets are brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Uh, so we're up to 3-4 and four on the week. It has not been a banner week yet, so we need a big Thursday. What we had on Wednesday for you, Larkin went way over 2.5 shots for Detroit. Uh, Pedersen did not go over his 3.5 for Vancouver. Uh, for Thursday, I've got Roman Yossi over three and a half shots for Nashville as they take on Arizona. And I'm going Anders Lee of the Islanders over two and a half shots in a huge showdown for New York against Pittsburgh. So your best bets on this Friday. 
I've got Yossi over three and a half shots and Anders Lee over two and a half shots. Wrapping up the hour, Aaron Vickers and then Cam and Taylor, our producers. I'm Pat. Uh, this hour wrapping up, and those are your Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.